You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 938 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And I have to be honest, coming into the night, I actually plan to talk about the schedule release at the top of this podcast. We're still going to do that later on, but let's just say plans changed as the Hawks had a historic performance this evening. In particular, Danilo Gallinari went absolutely crazy in a victory over the Boston Celtics that was pretty lopsided in the entire second half. So we will get to that and some news stuff at the end of the podcast. But for the most part, we will focus on Gallinari, Trey Young, and all the all, what the Hawks did in this game. It was a lot of fun. I found myself cackling kind of to myself while Gallinari was going crazy in the first half. And, uh, you know, big picture, a very, very good win for the Hawks and a badly needed one after the way that last night went in Cleveland. So a nice bounce back. The Hawks get a split out of those two games, which is not exactly what I thought was going to happen with those two games. But they got the split anyway. And uh, things are looking better for the Hawks today than they were yesterday. So, diving in here, this is the first win of the season for the Hawks on the second night of a back-to-back. They were 0-5 in the situations, and they've struggled in that spot for quite some time. Also, this is the final home game of the first half, and the third meeting against Boston in the last eight days. So, lots of storylines coming in. But the Hawks did have John Collins in this game. He was questionable all the way up to game time. Actually, Cam Reddish missed this game. That's two in a row for Cam, but Collins... Did play, did play well, and that was a big addition for the Hawks to be getting there after his concussion evaluation for the last 24 hours. Uh, Boston was without Kemba Walker in this game, and Marcus Smart's still out, but um, not, as, not as if the Hawks, uh, you know, Boston didn't have a huge disadvantage when it comes to the injuries, considering all the guys that are out for the Hawks. So, Atlanta was a small underdog, about one and a half points, according to our friends at Atlanta.ag. By tip-off, it actually opened in the three or three and a half range, but once Collins was playing, it was a little bit closer, but still the Hawks... Not expected to win necessarily, even at home in this game. At the outset, it was closer, you know, at least early on in this game, it was close for a while. Um, there was some interesting self-creation in the early going from John Collins, from Kevin Herter, actually, and then back-to-back threes from Tony Snell to give the Hawks a 13-9 lead. A rotation that was pretty similar to what it has been in the last couple of games for Atlanta with Kongwu, with Gallinari, with Mays and Hill coming in together alongside Trey Young. And then the fireworks began sort of, I would say, halfway through the first quarter, something like that. Trey Young had a personal 11-0 run, in which he scored 11 points to Boston not scoring at all, um, and that put the Hawks up 26-15 in the first quarter. In fact, Young scored 13 straight in total for the Hawks after Boston did score, but he had it going in a big way in the first quarter. And then the floodgates sort of opened toward Gallinari momentarily. I will say... (laughs) Uh, Gallinari's defense in this game was pretty bad, was pretty bad still. Um, in fact, I made note of that in the first quarter before we got really hot. Um, but a couple of uh, bad fouls and uh, you know one bad transition defensive point for Gallinari. I'm not going to focus too much on that right now because he was obviously so good in this game. But it was not like all the issues went away. Uh, just one of the offensive stuff clicked in this game in a big way. Um, Gallinari hit a nice three after a timeout using his size to shoot over the defense. Then another three on the on the next possession on the opposite side of the floor. So he heated up a little bit with back-to-back threes. It was a 10-0 run, actually, to end the first quarter for Atlanta. Between Gallinari and Trey getting the last four points on two-point shots. So, with all that said, they're up 40-27 at the end of the first quarter. That felt really good. It wasn't like Gallinari had gone crazy just yet. 
But Trey had 17 points in the first quarter. He was phenomenal. 7-11 from the floor, 3-4 from 3. The Hawks shot 67% from the floor and 8 of eight of 11 from 3 in that first quarter. And it wasn't just Gallinari. It wasn't just Young, although he was really good as well. Atlanta had a great performance at the outset to set the tone for the rest of the game. And that ended up being pretty big, I thought. Now, in the second quarter, the Hawks put the entire foot on the gas, we'll say. As I said, they scored the last 10 points of the first quarter. That was big. And then with the bench on the floor, Gallo got hot. He His third straight three, and then Capella got to the line, made both free throws, and Gallo got a layup. Then after a timeout, Gallo hit another three. So that's four. And that put the Hawks up 50-27. to 27. And from that point forward, the Hawks were never challenged. Uh, there were moments in which the game got a little bit more closer than they would have liked, I'm sure. But from that 20, 20-0 run, basically at 20 consecutive points, 10 and then 10 at start, to start the second quarter, that put the game away in a lot of ways for Atlanta. At that point, Gallinari had 14 points on five shots. He was 5 of 5 and 4 of 4 from 3. And the Hawks were scoring, this is the craziest out of the night almost, other than Gallinari just going crazy, the Hawks were scoring almost 1.9 points per possession through 14 minutes of this game. Now, that kind of if you just do the math in your head, that's almost a bucket every time down the floor. But 1.9 is insane for more than a quarter, and that's what was happening for Atlanta. Part of that was Gallo, part of that was Troy Young, but the Hawks had 50, 50 points in the first 14 minutes of this game. So that's pretty wild. Now, it was a little bit wobbly after a timeout, actually. They missed a three, had a, t- a couple turnovers in a row, one from Gallinari, one from Herter. Then Herter missed a floater, and it seemed like the Hawks might give it up, not not the lead, but they were certainly wobbling a little bit, is, what, is the way that I'll say it right now. But then Gallinari, once again, hits another three. <laughs> That's five. Young then comes in after that. Um, they, able, they were able to sort of sur- survive Rondo's stint in the first half, but then Gallinari went um, more crazy. So... He has another one after that. This one from this is the longest one so far, from about 30 feet to put the Hawks up at 58 to 34, uh, late-ish in the first half, and then another one from Gallinari for good measure at the five-minute mark. Again, quite deep, and that that put Gallinari up to eight of eight from the floor, seven of seven from three. He had 23 points in the first 14 minutes that he played in this game. Just an absolutely ridiculous display from Gallinari. His career high, by the way, which which he blew through in this game, was eight, and he almost had that in the first half. The Hawks tied their franchise record for threes and a half with five minutes left in the first half of this game. Um, they did slow down a little bit later on in the first half. Uh, Trey Young did pull off a fantastic uh, trick to throw it the, uh, throw the ball off, off the defender's back um, for a layup to beat the shot clock. That was one of those moments that sort of went viral after the game, or at least during the game. Then Young got fouled on a three. In fact, Boston got a technical foul as Marcus Smart was assessed a technical foul from the bench. He was actually injured in this game. So that was kind of a funny one. All was going well for Atlanta. After a quick hook shot from um, Click Capella, the Hawks went up by 27 at 68-41 with about two and a half minutes to go. And Gallinari finally missed a shot late in the first half, which is worth pointing out because he had not missed a shot to that point. Um, the Hawks led by 23 at the half. And Gallinari and Young combined to have to score 49 points in the first half. That tied Boston's overall mark for the team. Now, that, that didn't sustain the entire way, but the Hawks, two members of the Hawks, scored as many points as the Boston Hawks did in the first half of this game. Gallinari tied his career high for a half with 24 points in the first half. And per Elias Sports, Young and Gallinari were the first Hawks teammates to score 20 points or more in a half um, since Joe Johnson and Al Harrington back in 2005, uh, the early 
pre-playoff uh, days for the Hawks, you know, 16 years ago. That's a long time, and those guys were fantastic. As a team, the Hawks scored about 1.5 points per possession in the first half. Um, that is unsustainably awesome, and they shot 13-21 from three, 61% from the floor, and they were just fantastic. Obviously, it was a two-man show and a lot of that, but Atlanta played very, very, very well, and uh, as you will undoubtedly know by now, that lead was more than enough to hold off the rest of the way. Um, still, we'll come back in a second, talk about the second half, and much, much more. But first, a word from our friends at betonline.ag. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, and many more sports are in full swing. But there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, baseball is on the way in the near future and all kinds of additional angles to handicap, including awards, TV shows, and reality TV. In fact, there are dozens of real-time updated props on almost anything you can imagine, and BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds, including future bets, if you want to look way ahead. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action and visit the website or use a mobile device to sign up today. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and after halftime, you know, obviously going into the halftime break up 23, you're in great shape. I did hear from some Hawks fans that were having some flashbacks to early in the season and were worried about blowing the lead, and I totally get that because the Hawks were not in a safe position for a little while longer. In fact, the third quarter did not, did not start very well for Atlanta. Um, fortunately for the Hawks, Boston struggled as well to make some shots, but the Hawks missed their first five shots in the second half. Capella had a free throw, but the Hawks didn't make a shot for about three-plus minutes to open the third quarter, and Boston found their level a little bit earlier than the Hawks did, cutting the lead down to 17. So up 17, you're still in great shape there, but you know, going from up 20-plus down to 17, a little bit of momentum for Boston, sort of some, some alarm bells, we'll say. But then, Tony Snell made a three and seven minute transition to stop the bleeding, and then John Collins hit one on the, on the next possession to go back up by 23. So that, that little mini push really helped Atlanta to stabilize and not let the ball go down the hill a little bit for Atlanta. I will say Boston did throw one more punch back down to 18 to force a timeout from the Hawks um, at 79-61. And the Hawks were, I think, 2 of 10 to open the second half. Pretty brutal there. But out of that timeout, a good ATO. You get Capella downhill for a pick-and-roll bucket that he scored on. And then Trey got a floater to go back up by 20. That was a nice little stretch as well for Atlanta. Um, Collins got his fourth foul with almost seven minutes left in the third quarter, which brought Gallinari back in a little bit quicker than they normally would, in addition to him being, of course, red hot from the first half. But, you know, after a long break, halftime, all that stuff, you not no guarantees that Gallinari's going to stay hot. In this game, though, he did stay hot. He was fantastic, obviously. So he comes in, hits his eighth three of the night momentarily, um, on a step back in the left corner that tied his career high um, for three-point shots, which is eight, by the way, cutting into the game. And he did that with five minutes left in the third quarter. So that tells you how crazy of the shooting night that it was for him. Um, they actually went to uh, Solomon Hill quickly on the uh, on the wing in the second half. Um, they brought Tony Snell back a little bit later. And that, that was a weird sub in some ways. And they went to Rondo a little bit earlier than they have normally as well, giving Trey some earlier rest. Out of a timeout, Herter hits a three to put the Hawks up by 24. And then Gallinari hits his ninth three of the game to put Atlanta up 94-67. At that point, it was pretty much over, I will say. Not all the way, but pretty much. That was his new career high for threes. 
Also, the franchise record was tied there and then later surpassed by Gallinari. Uh, the Steve Smith had held for a long, long time. It was set in 1997. So, you know, tw- 24 years of that record standing for Atlanta. And uh, again, still in the third quarter at that point in time. Also, uh, ESPN South and Info reported that the 9-3s were the most in NBA history through three quarters by a bench player. So, all kinds of numbers that Gallinari got to in this spot. A good sub, I thought, late in the third to put Trey Young back in the game with about 104 to go after the offense kind of wavered a little bit. He actually turned it over on his first possession, which is not ideal after he, comes back, after he sort of came in cold. But he had, a, he had a pretty deep three on the next trip, and then Gallinari had a leak out in transition for a layup to put the Hawks up by 23. They're up 21 at the end of the third. It wasn't over, you know, as I said, not all the way over, but still in great, in great position. Then at the outset of the fourth quarter, Gallo scores, then they get a stop. And then Tony Snell has a three, put the Hawks up by 104 to 78. That was probably it at that point. And then Gallinari hits his 10th three of the game moments after that to go up by 24. Again, the franchise record there. Also the third player in NBA history Gallinari was to, to hit 10 threes off the bench in a game. Um, and then from that point forward, Boston pulls their starters with about eight minutes to go. That was the white flag moment for them. And uh, it's worth noting that both teams, both teams run it back to back in the spot with Boston Clearly did not want to keep pushing to try to make this uh, more interesting late in the game. So a lot of garbage time in this spot. The Hawks did empty the bench, and the margin ended up being a lot smaller than it probably should have been. Atlanta went to their third unit, basically, up 22 with four minutes to go, and they lost that last stretch when it was when nothing really mattered at the end. But still, just a wild performance in a lot of ways for Atlanta. Of course, the headliners of Gallinari, uh, number one for sure, and then Trey Young was also awesome in this game, but, you know, plenty of things to get into, I will say, up and down. Um, in, terms of, in terms of some takeaways, Pierce referred to it as one of the statement performances of the season for for the Hawks. Also, a quote, feel-good win for Atlanta. All of that tracks, you know, after the way that they played on Tuesday, the way that game ended, no one was happy, and, uh, you know, everyone that spoke after the game, Gallinari, Trey Young, Lloyd Pierce, um, all kind of echoed that. You know, they were happy to get the win, especially after last night. And the Hawks, as a team, shot the absolute heck out of the ball. Obviously, Gallinari was the biggest reason for this at 10 of 12 from three. We'll talk about him more later on. But the Hawks set a franchise record, a franchise record for threes in this game with 23 three-pointers. 10 from Gallo, but even then, you had five from Trey, you had four for Tony Snell, two for Collins. Um, Goodwin was one of one in this game. Um, Herder hit one late. So a lot of that's attributable to Gallinari, but as a team a historic shooting night for Atlanta. And from two, they shot very well as well. They were 22 of 43. That's above average on twos. The Hawks had a 69% true shooting in this game. That's obviously uber elite. And at the end of the day, the Hawks scored 1.34 points per possession. That is a ridiculous figure, obviously. And part of that's, again, hot shooting. But that all worked out well. Atlanta did lose the turnover battle pretty badly. They had 17 to only six for Boston. And I will say... Uh, in my brand, is very strong, I think. If you're a long-time listener, you will know this. You know, I'm not sure the Hawks played that much better than Boston in this game. They just made a lot more shots than Boston did in this game. Um, in fact, Tatum and Brown, the two All-Stars for the Celtics, were a combined 10 of 36 from the floor and 1 of 14 from three. Now, shot quality-wise, the Hawks did have advantage in this game. They took, they, they took some better shots, for sure. And they did play better than Boston. But... One team just was unconscious, and that's the Hawks. The other team was pretty cold throughout this game, and that that sort of led to the larger margin than it probably should have been. But still, the Hawks just played very well. Defensively, I will say, 
not forcing turnovers makes it difficult in a lot of ways. Uh, the Celtics actually end up scoring about 1.18 points per possession, and that's really bad. But I think it was better than that until garbage time. So I'm not going to you know flog the Hawks for those numbers defensively, especially in the fourth quarter they kind of let up a little bit, and that's worth pointing out. Like for instance, like Tremont Waters, who did not play until garbage time, was plus 12 for Boston. Um, same with Taco Fall. Those guys, you know, that was all inconsequential late in this game. So no real issues there. And the stat sheet looks worse than the Hawks, than it probably should for the Hawks as a result. But overall, Atlanta played very well in this game. That goes without saying with a double-digit win over a pretty decent team in Boston. But they got a lot of strong efforts. It wasn't just Gallinari and Young. Uh, it was a strong team effort as well. Okay, before we get into some individual breakdowns, uh, obviously featuring... Gallinari and Trey Young, as well as a schedule release, a word from our friends at rockauto.com. With more makes and models than ever, it's now impossible to stock all the auto parts that you need in your traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure questioning from a counter person that's often totally pointless, especially when they were only going to give you the parts or the brands that the warehouse happens to carry? Instead, you have rockauto.com, either at home or in your pocket, and that is the best possible option. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always super low and the same for pros and do-yourselfers, so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and from there you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And with that, we'll go to the individual part of the podcast. We'll start on the bench, and we'll end um, with the two. In fact, we're going to break the rules a little bit here. I'm going to treat Gal like a starter in this game because he played so much, and we'll save him for the for the very end with Trey. At any rate, the Hawks used essentially a 10-man rotation in this game. Brandon Goodwin played for about five seconds or so um, at the end of the first quarter, I believe it was. But it was really 10 guys that played real minutes for Atlanta in this game. Okongwu played 12 minutes. He had 5 points, 4 rebounds. He was okay. A couple nice flashes from him, especially defensively. I thought he had some good chemistry with Rondo, actually, on a DHO and one pick-and-roll play. Uneven, he wasn't great, but wasn't bad, I don't think notably so, in this game. Solomon Hill missed all three of his threes. He was the one guy on the roster that did not shoot well in this game. <laughs> it was 0-3 and 1-4 from the floor. Did have 2 points, uh, a rebound and an assist. was plus 10. I'm not sure he was very good, but he was fine. Uh, Rondo was not particularly good, I didn't think, but didn't score. Was plus 10 because of Gallinari's craziness. Had two assists, a steal, and a rebound. 11 minutes. We will pile on him some other time. Skylar Mays, uh, 17 minutes, including some garbage time there as well. But he was in the rotation in this game. Had four points. Five assists, which is nice to see from Skylar. Two rebounds. Did not have a uh, made field goal, but made all four of his free throws. He was fine. In this game, nothing terribly stand out um, from him. And then Goodwin, Fernando, and Nathan Knight played the last four minutes. Nothing really to speak to there. There wasn't. It was pretty much garbage time. Goodwin had five points. Um, Knight and Fernando were pretty quiet. Nothing else to really get into from them. Um, like I said, we'll say Gallinari for the end. Um, Kevin Herter was pretty quiet. Had five points, four assists, two rebounds, two turnovers, had four fouls. Was plus nine in 28 minutes. He did it one big shot that I thought was not like a huge. I don't, I don't want to overstate it, but there was one where the Hawks were kind of waffling, and he made a big three that they that they definitely needed. But other than that, it was like a pretty nondescript game from Kevin. He was okay. Um, Clint Capella was quiet by his standards in this game. Nine points, nine rebounds, three block shots though, a couple big ones near the rim. 
Only played 21 minutes, and that's because Gallinari had it going so much, and Lloyd Pierce talked about that after the game, just kind of leaving Gallinari in the game because he was so hot, and that's obviously understandable. Capella was okay. Uh, not dominant, but not bad either. Missed a few bunnies around the rim, as he's prone to do occasionally, but made 3 out of 4 from the free throw line, and I thought he played well as plus 13, and it wasn't like he was the problem by any means in this game. Tony Snell hit four threes. That's what he's out there to do. He had 12 points, four assists, extra nice uh, number, number there from Tony, four rebounds. Had a block shot, was plus eight, um, misses only two two-point attempts. Still no free throws from Tony Snell. If you missed yesterday's podcast, he is one of the last, I think he's number two still in the league in terms of free throw attempts without, sorry, minutes played without a free throw attempt this year. That's kind of hilarious from Tony Snell. But he, again, he made four big threes. He was one of the guys that contributed on the high level in terms of spacing the floor that was not named Gallinari or Trey Young. And then John Collins, 14 points, 11 rebounds, and a block shot. Had an assist as well. He was plus one in 25 minutes, 6 of 11 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3. You know, obviously, I mentioned this earlier on the podcast today. There was some real doubt about Collins playing in this game after the after the concussion evaluation, as I should say. Um, not easy to say it for whatever reason. Um, but I think that it's good that he was able to play, obviously. and um, We'll see how he reacts after this. But I think, obviously, if he gives the all-clear, that's probably a good sign, all things considered. So good to have him back. And if, if the Hawks had not had Collins in this game, I'm not sure what, have, what, what, what would have happened, obviously. But he's a huge part of their team, and I would have felt much worse going into the game without him. And that tells you, you know, as soon as he actually was playing, the, the line went down, all that stuff. He played pretty well in this game. Now, the two guys who were awesome. Uh, obviously, Trey Young was not going to get the same level of focus as he normally would in this game because he, you know, was upstaged by Gallinari's ridiculousness. But again, as I said before, Gallin- uh, Trey was awesome in the first quarter, had 17 points, and was really the reason why the Hawks took that big lead at the outset. So I wanted to play some audio for you. Actually, I was the one that asked Lloyd about this after the game, but I basically just asked him about Trey's performance and I will play that for you now. I know Gallo's the story and the, and the win and all of that, but what did you see from Trey? It felt like Trey really had a nice game as well. Trey's played unbelievable basketball. Um, you know, even last night, he didn't shoot it well. You know, I talked about that today and I, I told him, I said, listen, you, you've, you're playing unbelievable basketball. I sent him a text after the Denver game and told him how, you know, special I think he's playing um, really because it's, it's simple. He, he's making some great reads. He, the teams are, are converging on our pick and rolls. He's making some skips. He's making some of the throwbacks. He's making some of the simple passes in front of him. And when he starts doing that, we, we use the term softening. He, he's going to soften the defense, all the schemes and all the blitzes that teams are throwing Adam, the, the quicker he can punish people with the pass, they're going to have to soften their defense. And I think that's why he's playing great basketball. Obviously, he got going scoring tonight in that first quarter, and that's why we left him out there. Uh, but I think he's just playing great basketball in, as, as in whole in general. So nothing out of the ordinary there necessarily, but I thought it was notable that Lloyd was pretty effusive in his praise of Young, particularly the nugget about him sending a text to Trey after the Denver game on Sunday, talking about how special he was playing. He has been playing extremely well. I'm not sure he played all that well on Tuesday, as Pierce sort of gets into there uh, in a more positive way than I probably would have. But still, you know, he's been playing so well. Um, I cited some of the on-off, not on-off, but the win-loss splits with him. That's not to say that Young is been anything less than great. I think I've been pretty consistent the last couple of weeks, especially about talking about how good Trey has been all season long. But it's worth pointing out that, especially on this night where it's a rare one where he was really good and not the biggest star in terms of the takeaways in this game. But Young was really awesome. I thought really under control, uh, made a bunch of shots, um, and controlled the offense, passing, uh, played decent defense in this game, I thought, as well, against Jeff Teague and others. So a nice notable night for Trey, and I wanted to play that audio for you at the top here. But Trey finishes with 33 points, 7, seven assists, I should say, Four rebounds, one steal, 
12 of 23 from the floor, 5 of 11 from 3, and 4 of 5 from the free throw line. And that continues the sort of um, trend that when he plays well, the Hawks usually win. And there you go on that. Last guy to get to here is, of course, Gallinari, who was, even as I look at the stat line, uh, just absolutely ridiculous. In this game, he finishes the night with 13 of 16 from the floor, 10 of 12. Yes, 10 of 12 from 3. Got to the line twice, made both. 38 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 33 minutes. He was plus 25. Best of us on the team by a lot, and that kind of tells you just how hot he was in this game. Coming into the night, by the way, Gunner was 30 of 83 from 3, which is perfectly fine, but he made, you know, he basically improved his uh, total from 3 this year by 33%. So he went from having 30 makes to 40 makes in one night from 3. Um, also, this is the fourth highest scoring game of his career, and I know that may not sound like a crazy stat, but Gallinari has been very good for a very, very long time. And this is the most points he's scored since 2015, and considering how good he was the last couple of years, that's all very noteworthy. So, as you would imagine, most of the postgame fo- focused on him in a lot of ways. I wanted to play you some, some audio about Gallinari. There was two questions and answers that ha- happen to be back-to-back, so it's pretty indicative from uh, Lloyd being asked about Gallinari. First one is from Sarah Spencer of the AJC, and then we hear a reporter from NBA International on a follow-up question about Gallinari, but this is pretty indicative and uh, kind of fun, and I want to play it for you. So here's Lloyd on Gallinari. Lloyd, as a coach, just what are you thinking as Gallo starts to get hot and then just never really cools down throughout the game from three? Don't take him out. Um, you know, in that first stretch, you, you see you see, there's something special going on. You just... Only thing I asked him, I said, "Can you keep going?" He said, "I can go 48 right now, Coach." So we we left him in. I think he played 18 straight in terms of that that stretch, and then we took him out with about a minute or something to go in the second quarter. Um, but he's, you know, that's Gallo. He, we we know he's capable. We know he can give us more. We we want him to give us more. We need him to give us more. And he was able to deliver that tonight. And we're going to ask him to do the same. Um, stretch the floor. Be dynamic. Be hard to guard. And and when guys are are, are attacking you with the closeout make plays like he did with the corner three for Kevin in the pick and roll. So he, there's more to Gallo. It's, it's unfortunate. There was an injury early in the year. It, it slowed his momentum and it's, it's taken a while to get him to, to this type of level. Do we expect them to go 10 for 12? No, but we know we can get more out of them. And, and it was exciting to see tonight. Yes. On that note, you say it's a statement game and it's a feel good win. Do you think that can apply also to Gallo that from now on you can actually see the real Gallo? Uh, yeah, I think I think for all our guys, obviously Gallo, uh, you know, it's it's good for him. He's a pro. I, I've never been too worried about, um, you know, Gallo's morale. Uh, I, I just think the injury, you know, it's the first time he told when he told me he rolled the ankle. It's the first time he had done something like that, and and obviously it affected his play. But it's good for him to do it. It's good for our guys to know he's capable of doing it. And now we'll be seeking him out. Uh, to find those open shots and, and putting him in more action so we can get him going and, and also using him as a facilitator. But uh, big for all of our guys really to see that we're capable of putting a performance like that together. And now how do we back it up is the next question. So clearly, Gallinari has not been good this year until today. And that's, you know, that's still the case. He still struggled before this game. You know, victory laps are good. And I think I've been pretty consistent that Gallinari is much better than the player he's been so far. And uh, he's been good for a long time. So it's not surprising that he would have a big game. Obviously, it's, you know, 10 threes for anyone is surprising. A career high for him, uh, as, you know, franchise records and uh, NBA history stuff is all surprising. But he is capable of going nuts. And we saw that in this game. Uh, defensively, it was still a mess. I mean, that's kind of, it's ironic that 
I had many notes before he went crazy about how his defense was poor in the first quarter, especially, and that still stands, but he is capable of more offensively. You, get, you hear that there, there from Lloyd, and he's been limited, and I think you sort of heard that even admitted to there from Lloyd on some level, is that they know that he's better than he's been so far. Um, obviously, if the Hawks knew that he was going to struggle with so much um, to this point, if that was the guy that they believed they were getting, they would not have paid him what they paid him. So there's no mystery there. He is better than the player he's been so far. Defensively, it's definitely a question mark, but in this game... It was just hilarious. I mean, in, in the best possible way. And sometimes, you know, I'm definitely analytical, and people will know that about me. I pick, I, you know, part of my job is to nitpick and all that stuff. In the first half, especially in the second quarter, I, I was quite literally la- laughing out loud and really enjoying just the barrage. And sometimes it just happens in sports and basketball. It's it's fun to watch a guy go crazy. I was uh, watching back the replay of Bob Rathman and company on the broadcast. They're going nuts and having a lot of fun, and like it's it's infectious. It's it's really a cool moment or several moments in this game where he just did not miss a shot. He was just cooking on a on a level that nobody nobody really ever does. And backing up to like the first three or four or five he made were like a reasonable distance. Then he started making thirty footers after that. And Gallinari kind of had a funny line that I'm not sure was supposed to be funny. After the game, he said. Um, once I made the fourth or the fifth, basically was the quote that he thought he was going to be a good night. And that's hilarious because obviously when you already have four or five threes, but it's just kind of, you could tell he was in the zone and that, that happened sometimes and it was a lot of fun. So at the end of the day, Gallo explodes for 38 points. That was the biggest reason why the Hawks won this game. But Trey Young was awesome too. And again, those, those two guys combined 71 from Gallinari and Trey, just a wild effort to push the Hawks uh, to a very, very nice win in this spot. Okay. That's enough on the game. Obviously, more to come in the future. And obviously, the Hawks have to be not always this good, but better than they were last night. And uh, we'll see how they fare the rest of the week. By the way, they they have a day off on Thursday before they go to Oklahoma City on Friday for an interesting game. And then Sunday in Miami. So, plenty more to come on that front. Last thing on the podcast. The schedule did come out today, as I alluded to earlier on in the podcast. It would have been the headliner most of the time, but when Gallinari go, go, goes off, you have to uh, focus on that instead. At any rate, the Hawks' last game before the break is scheduled for March 3rd, which is next week in Orlando. Then they'll have the break, All-Star game on, on March 7th, and then they resume play on March 11th now. The second half schedule is now out. March 11th is the first game, so the Hawks have a full week off from the 4th through the 10th. They play, on, they play on the 11th in Tampa against the Raptors. They have 19 games at home after the break, 17 on the road including the one rescheduled game in Phoenix after the postponement earlier this year. They have eight back-to-backs. That's a lot of back-to-backs, but that's kind of standard right now because there's so many games being played. The NBA, uh, I, don't, I, I don't love this, is trying to squeeze this all in on the time schedule that they, that they want to get to. So eight back-to-backs in a short period of time, not ideal there. There is one road trip that has to be mentioned here for the Hawks in the second half of the season. It's an eight-game West Coast trip beginning on March 20th against the Lakers. So they go out to L.A., play Lakers, March 20th. It's an afternoon game. Then they also have to play on that same trip, among others. They have to play the Clippers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Suns, and the Spurs, all of which are playoff or playoff caliber teams. That is a brutal, brutal stretch. I don't want to overstate it, but that could be the swing of the season. If the Hawks go on that trip and they go 1-7 or 0-8, they're in some trouble. If they go on that trip and go 4-4, four and four, it might be huge for them. Because after that, if they can survive it and not take too much in the standings, the Hawks finish up with 16 of the last 23 games at home, including seven of the last eight at home. So it really is a tale of two mini halves in the second half of the schedule. The first half, including that eight-game stretch on the road, and then the rest of the, the rest of the schedule is fairly easy. Now the schedule 
is always a little bit overstated. I think especially this year with all the weirdness and all the variance that's happening. But you know, the, it, I was just in front of the opponents lately as well. The last four games of the season are all at home. It's Washington twice, Orlando, and Houston. Now, that's a long way away, but those are all obviously teams that are very beatable. If the Hawks are in a race for the play-in or race for the playoff spot, we'll see what happens there. But that's uh, noteworthy, I will say. And uh, for what for what what it's worth, I should, I should say, Takeathon lists the Hawks as the sixth easiest remaining schedule. So. I think it might become like the number one easy schedule after that eight game streak. But um, broadly speaking, from this point forward, it's a not too terrible schedule for Atlanta. Also on the national TV front, the Hawks only have two true national TV games the rest of the way. It's at Golden State on March 26th and then home for Milwaukee on April 15th. They do have four NBA TV games, including one uh, in May against Washington on that last week of the season. And the final game, as I said, is against Houston, but it's on May 16th. For Atlanta, so we're you know we're still two and a half months from that. It's a long way away, but uh, that's the last game I'm scheduled right now. And I, I said scheduled because you know normally pre-COVID schedule means it's probably going to happen 99%. This year that's not necessarily the case. There could be some flexibility still, but it's all worth pointing out there. And if they're still on time, the play-in tournament is May May 18th through 21st, and the playoffs will start May 22nd. So obviously, with this win, the Hawks are in a better position than they were yesterday. The East, without doing a whole deep dive on this right now, the East is a complete jumble. Other than the very, very top, it is an absolute mess. So right now, as I record this, late on Wednesday evening, the Hawks are one game out of the 10 spot at 14 and 18. But they are two games from fourth. <laughs> so right now, the Hawks are out of the plan. At this very moment in time, the Hawks are 11th. That is out of the plan. They are two games from home court in the first round. So there is a complete and utter jumble there. And also, on the other side, the Hawks are two and a half games ahead of 14th. So number four through number 14 right now in the East, separated by four and a half games. So I wouldn't take too much away from any of this stuff. I still believe the Hawks are better than teams like Washington, New York even. Uh, I know they've lost to New York a couple times. I think the Hawks are better than them at full strength anyway. Um, You know, Charlotte, Chicago are teams that I think the Hawks are better than and we'll see what happens. Obviously, they have to get healthy, have to play better, all that stuff. But um, looking way, way, way ahead to play-in stuff, um, the play-in, I think, is still you know more than reasonable as a goal. And if the Hawks can get in that, anything can happen. So we'll look ahead later on with some more scheduled stuff. But that, that came out today, so I wanted to break it, down, break it down for you at the end of the podcast. Generally, a very, very positive day for Atlanta. One more time, they have Thursday off, and then they will play on Friday in Oklahoma City. That is also my podcast plan. We have several new shows on the podcast feed this week. In fact, this is the fourth show of the week already. If you missed it earlier in the week, we've had the game breakdowns as always. But also Andrew Kelly joined me for about an hour earlier this week. That's still a fun conversation that is definitely worth listening to even now. So uh, hopefully nothing crazy will happen on Thursday. If there is something crazy, I will always pop in. But if not, my next podcast will be after the game on Friday in Oklahoma City. Please subscribe. Please rate, review, tell your friends, and we'll see you next time.